So again, it's 8 a.m. And I'd love to say that I'm sitting, you know, in my apartment and looking down at this gorgeous view. But there's been this strong white fog for the past few days. And you can't really see much. Um, so I'm just living in a fog uh, with a little hint of people down by the beach. Uh, it's the Rockaways. Legendary hip place to live, by the way. As an avid podcast listener myself, I probably listen to five to seven conversations a week. Most of them are continuous, like I'm subscribed, even though I don't need to physically subscribe to something to to mentally be subscribed. Um, so I listen to those conversations and I learn a lot and maybe I'll name some of them as we go along. I'll leave the rest to your imagination. And there's this feeling that you get from constantly or consistently hearing other people speak and not just people, people who you, who you really respect and you, you learn to love and appreciate. And I'm hearing them speak and I'm not saying anything back because it's a podcast. You know, they don't listen to me. Only I listen to them. That's, that's what podcasts you know, are. You're like part of this incredible conversation, but you don't get to talk. And maybe that's a good thing because maybe you're shy. Maybe you're afraid of talking. Maybe you're much dumber. And uh, in this case, no, no threat to anyone. But if you're listening to someone smart and successful, maybe in a real life conversation, you really, you wouldn't be able to hold your own for 30 seconds. But here in a podcast, you can hear the guy talk for an hour and just participate by listening. And that's great. All of those are great. But eventually, you kind of have all this information that you digested. And then when you want to discuss it back, there's, there's no one. There's no one. So I'm doing this as a way to speak back into the world. The same world that I extract so much information from, and I extract it from the same source as so many other people. And there may be one person who listens to this, and that would be enough. Now, podcasting has really exploded. And I mean, it's been exploding forever, but the thing is that it's still exploding, and it's still getting bigger to the point that this past week, Spotify signed what they say is a $100 million deal with Joe Rogan to have his podcast exclusive to Spotify. And here they are taking all that subscriber money, really investor money, and just giving it to Joe Rogan to have him exclusive to Spotify because they really believe that podcasting is the future. Today I'm just going to share an idea that I had. Because tonight is the holiday of Shavuos, and it is the holiday of the giving of the Torah. Now, not all Jewish people believe that God gave the Jewish people the Torah. Some Jewish people and people believe that the Jews made it up. As Leonard Cohen said, and I don't think he believed this necessarily, but he wrote it anyway. 
I'm the little Jew who wrote the Bible. I love that line. I don't know why he had to be little. But that's, that's what he said. So I was thinking, you know, what does it mean to me? Because I'll be there. I'll be at the meals. I'll be eating. I'll be eating dairy meals. I'll be eating meat meals. I'll be staying up for an hour or two. So what does it mean? What does it mean to celebrate God giving the Torah? I don't know. And, you know, all my life we've struggled with this question. Was the Torah something that the Jewish people accepted willingly? Or was it something that God forced onto them? And when I think about it now, it doesn't seem like such a good question because, of course, God forced you. I mean, to have any interaction with God and to come out of it saying, well, God spoke to me and, you know, he asked me to do something and I considered it and I decided to do what God told me to do. That seems silly because, you know, that's like, you know, imagine being in a, in a room with a mob boss. And the mob boss asks you to do him a certain favor. And you agree to do the favor. You can defend yourself from today till forever saying that, yeah, you know, we had a nice conversation and he didn't threaten me at all. He was very polite. He was very nice. And I just decided to murder my first cousin and bury him on the side of the Belt Parkway. It was just something that the mob boss asked me to do. And, you know, I thought about it. I thought it was a good idea. I like him. So I did it. But it was my own choice. I mean, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. And if, uh, if that's the case with a mob boss, then with the most supreme being were it to exist, asking you to do anything, and you coming out of that interaction saying, yeah, it was done out of my own free will it doesn't make sense obviously any interaction with god anytime god speaks to you and asks you to do something you should have no choice not you should you have no choice but to but to obey and yet we seem to be hung up on this idea of we the jewish people being presented with something and agreeing out of our own free will to do it. And, and even there it gets controversial because there's this medrash. I'm not going to say midrash because either you know what medrash is or you don't know what medrash is. Why would I put in the word midrash to confuse you more? It says that after, after the giving of the Torah, God decided to you know, just casually lift the mountain over their head and intimidate the Jewish people just to drop and say, listen, if you, if you don't actually accept this, I'm going to drop the mountain on you. Which maybe should have been the right move. Be like, okay, drop the mountain. But for some reason, that coercion was necessary. And for some reason, that coercion doesn't contradict the narrative of we chose this thing. 
And it's been bothering me year after year. And as we say, the question is bigger than the answer. But I'm going to try anyway. And this is not my original thought. It's something that Dr. Doug Lyle talks about in, in the Beat Your Genes podcast, which I highly recommend. Do we have free will? Some people say no. Some people, usually religious people, say yes. Now, do all people who don't consider themselves religious say no? Probably not. It's generally a religious thing to say that you have free will because this puts the responsibility on you as an individual to do what God tells you to do. If you didn't have free will, then you wouldn't be responsible for anything. But obviously the question starts, you know, it's, it's much easier to say that there's no free will than that there is. Because let's start with some general principles. Let's back up the camera and focus on the fundamentals. I didn't choose to be born. That was not my decision. I didn't choose where to be born. I didn't choose my looks, my IQ, my personality. And even if I'm enjoying this life, I don't choose whether to live forever or not. I'm going to die. So all those options are out the window from the get-go. And after that, you know, there's this, there's this documentary that just came out. I think it's called The Hack, The Great Hack. It's really cool. It's on Netflix. And guess what it's about? It's about Trump stealing the election in 2016. But they're actually talking about what I didn't realize was happening in real time because I was a dumb kid. And now I'm still a dumb kid. Trump really targeted people in the middle and middle America, not through rallies, but through targeted, targeted social media ads. So if you watch the documentary, you see that the Trump administration teamed up with Cambridge Analytica, which is a marketing company based out of England. And they looked for all the young, I'm sorry, not young, they looked for all the people who lived in the swing states that were the undecidables. So the, the demographic here is people living in swing states that are crucial to win the election who, based on their social media profiles and their personalities, they are undecided. These are the actual voters who may vote for Clinton, may vote for Trump. And you know what they did to those people? They bombarded them with ads. Crooked Hillary ads. Lock her up ads. China ads. Trump is Hashem ads. It's sad. It's happy. I mean, it depends how you look at it. It's legal. It's illegal. It's very, very complicated. But let's just, let's just back up the camera and focus on the fundamentals one more time. They found the people who were undecided about who to vote for, and they bombarded them with information that said, 
Trump is good, Clinton is bad. Probably more Clinton bad. And Trump won the election. Now, are you going to tell me that's wrong? I mean, they didn't force the people to vote. They didn't, you know, move their hand when they went to the ballot. They didn't threaten them. They just gave them a lot of information. So perhaps this is just the future. Perhaps next election will be the same thing. Targeted ads paid for by the Republicans, paid for by the Democrats. And that's how you win elections, and that's how you change minds. Just target the people you want to target with enough propaganda as many times as you need to, assuming you have the budget, and they think what you want them to think. I mean, perhaps that's what I am. You know, I think I'm very special. I think I have original thoughts. But sometimes I'll be listening to people on the internet, especially my age, and I'll hear them making certain references. And I'm like, God, they're literally reading the same four or five books that I read and all extracting the same thing. And it's a good thing. I agree with what they're saying. But are these really my thoughts? Or is this just market segmentation? People with my personality, people with my interests and likes, all just participating in the same conversation, in the same narrative. And I'm really not trying to get conspiratorial, but really, how much freedom do you have when you're being bombarded with any specific information? And Dr. Doug Lyle tells us his version of free will. He says, here's the free will that you don't have. You don't have the free will to go against what you know. So assuming that you're not suicidal, you don't have the free will to run across a highway with traffic merging on both sides. Traffic merging? I don't know. You just don't have that free will. I don't have the free will right now to jump off my porch because I want to live. I don't have the free will to do anything that's against what I believe. Not only that, I don't have the free will to even think what I don't think. So, for example, I think that EDM is good music, but it's robotic. And in order to really enjoy EDM, you probably need to do drugs. I think that. Now, if I just say, I want to think the opposite. I want to think that EDM is great and it's better than funk music and I can enjoy being sober sitting on my couch. Well, as much as I want to think that, I just can't think that because it's not what I think. I don't have the free will to believe in illusions that my mind knows are illusions. It's just not possible. The only free will that I have is access to the right information. So if I know that something is true, if I'm convinced by someone else 
that something is true, that's what I'll believe. If I'm convinced by myself or others that a certain action is the action that I should be taking, that's the action that I'll do. So the only free will that you do have, possibly, maybe, is getting access to good information. I don't know what happened during Kabbalah Satora, but I do know that if I commit myself right now to getting good information, and this is not a push for fake news versus not fake news, but just making a commitment because it's good for me to look for the truth, to keep seeking the truth, as, as was taught for me from my young years, to always seek truth and to seek good information, I'll be able to make better decisions. When I say truth, I'm not implying anything in particular. The only thing I'm implying is a commitment to getting good information. And when you think it's good, it's good. Going back to free will and God and the giving of the Torah, when you're confronted with God, you cannot make any other choice but to do what God says. And I think on some level we're all confronted with God every day. Confronted with the inevitable. And there's really no choice there. The facts are in front of you, and we try to ignore them, and we try to look at other facts. But at the end of the day, Torah is all about Torah study. It's about you seeking out what really is the truth and what's a bunch of BS. And inevitably, those thoughts and those reasonings lead to conclusions as much as we try not to make those conclusions and as much as we try to stay stuck eventually against your own free will one becomes unstuck and is faced with the facts that are laid out in front of them so shvuas to me is this commitment to truth with a capital t this commitment to When I am confronted with something divine, I have no choice but to accept it. Without labeling what is divine and what's not divine, that's for an individual to find for themselves what's divine. But all I can do is try to seek out the information that actually makes sense to me. And inevitably, when it makes sense to me, I will act out on it. And that process is completely automated and there's nothing to worry about. Thank you. That's my take.